0: Hello and good morning. Here is the Education Newscast with episode number 233 in February 2023 and my name is christoph hafner and i'm happy to host yeah one more episode in our english channel today and as always i'm not alone i do this together with my dear colleague and co-host thomas jenewein good morning thomas
1: good morning hello
0: everyone yeah, and of course, we have again a guest today. Um She is an SAP colleague as well, and she is the solution owner for SAP Enable Now. It's Christina Kunert. So great to have you on board, Christina, on our podcast. Thanks for coming.
2: Well, thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah. So we want to continue talking about users of software and how learning can be part of the actual workflow all about adoption of software finally in november 2022 we already had the pleasure to talk to bob Moscher, who is actually one of the pioneers in thinking about workflow learning and later then in january we had the chance to discuss with Eva Zauke from sap and annette gernstein from bayer about how sap enable now can be strategically used in company. So she shared some insights there as well. And today we want to dig deeper a bit to get more insights, how SAP concretely supports the idea of learning in the workflow. And yeah, there's no one who can share more insights on that than you, Christina, I think. So maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit, your journey so far.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure, I would uh, love to. So, um yes, thanks for giving me the opportunity to join your podcast and I'm very impressed that it's already numbered 233. I didn't realize there were so many. So, glad to be in this um in this podcast. So, my life so far, I have studied psychology in Mannheim and then I went into the user experience area and wrote my diploma thesis already with SAP. After that, I started to work as a consultant So, uh, yeah, going around, giving trainings, focusing on learning solution and success factors, and always had something to do with learning, right, Um, and also focusing on what was then called Workforce Performance Builder, and has since then been renamed to SAP Enable Now. I actually joined SAP at the same time as this solution did. It was purchased by SAP back in 2011. Right. So after traveling around Europe, helping my customers, um, I switched to the customer success organization in um, 2021, and was a product expert for Enable Now in the whole after-sales organization. And um, after doing that for a couple of uh, years, I uh, switched again to the solution owner role in, um, yeah, a couple of years back, and have been doing that ever since. Yeah, it's it's fun. There's a lot uh, of topics, and and one of the topics, of course, that customers always uh, mention is how do we how do we marry the solution that we have on one hand and the need that we have on the other hand. Hmm.
1: So uh, perhaps let me jump in here. We uh, yeah, are great to have you, Christina. So perhaps one question, like in the previous podcast, uh, around workflow learning or the learning in the flow of work. We already very high level touched the topic, but perhaps out of your perspective, could you review that? Why is it uh, important to learning in the flow of work and uh, perhaps especially in the SAP ecosystem?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, from, from my perspective and from talking to customers for over a decade now, I think that especially the... Um, The bringing together of the theory of learning on one hand and the actual doing of the work on the other, this is where the flow of work is very important, right? You can have all the theory about how you will structure your learning, what type of learning you will have, what courses you will have on. But if you don't get that to the end user when they need it during different phases of their life with the software, then it doesn't really resonate with the users. So I think making this connection is extremely important um, to avoid having done a lot of pre-work and preparation of the learning content and enablement content, and then not getting the results that you may be expecting.
0: Mm,
1: Yeah, and I think it's also, uh, in some contexts, uh, it's also, let's say, bridging this gap between let's say, learning something and then applying it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that this is, since years, one of the key issues in, let's say, education, which is, uh, and I think this learning in the workflow, this is somehow bridging that gap. Perhaps we can look look a little bit uh, in detail. We don't want to now make a product introduction, but pretty briefly, perhaps you can explain to the listeners who don't know, let's say, how SAP is doing that, describe that in some words.
2: Uh, Sure. So I can start. I mean, I can probably sit here and talk about what we do or what the solution does for hours, but um, I'll try to keep it short. So the solution that I, um, that I'm solution owner for is SAP Enable Now, as uh, Christoph mentioned. And this solution is for providing help to users when they need it it's for creating that help and it's for distributing that help so our goal is to improve any software's adoption and to improve the productivity of the users and the efficiency that's in a nutshell but I think there's there's more details to it of course so there are different ways that we or we as a as a solution cater to the different needs that users have along this whole journey the whole five moments of need right so mm. yeah we can we can go into that into more detail later I think
0: Maybe one general question to be clarified for our listeners. You mentioned the word help as well, and... Um This might be maybe in companies who produce or who try to provide tools for learning in the workflow, finally. Is there, from your point of view, a difference between help, support, and learning, or is this, from the end-user perspective, not the question at all? You just want to have this, what we call maybe performance support, so that while you're working, you get every information and knowledge at hand that you. Just need to move on and yeah, and finally come into this flow. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Christoph, I think you're you're absolutely right with that question. I mean, when I go into a software, I I really don't care which organization provides me which type of information, right? That yeah. I, I need an answer to my question at the point where I am in the solution and I don't care that uh, maybe one part of the answer is provided by the support organization, the other part is provided by the help organization or what's called the user enablement team or uh, at SAP. So, um yes. I think for the end users or the business users who are the recipients of the call it enablement, call it help, call it content, they, they shouldn't need to choose between different channels, right? They should just get what they need mm-hmm. when they need it. And uh, yes, in, in that sense, I think maybe we need to think more outside our box as well, right? Um, and, and that's maybe a little later I can talk about where our roadmap is going with Enable Now, but that's mm-hmm. that's the direction that we also want to move into.
1: Mm. Can you describe that perhaps a little bit uh, deeper, let's say, how this uh, looks like in concretely perhaps in uh, use cases also for users of uh, key users? Mm -hmm. I think that's perhaps a good angle how to look at it.
2: Yeah, so let's let's say that um, someone goes in and um, maybe just as an employee, you know, wants to set up a goal plan, let's say. It's success factors, could be another solution, but uh, goes in and sets up a goal plan for themselves. And this is something that they do once a year, right? I mean, maybe you know yourselves, I always have to rethink where to click, what to do, how to get there. So I have different points here. Um, maybe it looks different from last year, then I need to adapt to a change that's happened in the system. Maybe I just don't remember. In any case, I want to have something on the screen, some help that uh, guides me, either guides me through the process step by step, like a guided tour that's part of the performance help the performance support or i may just be the person that wants to read through the process so this could be like a help article right that describes the step once after the other so there are two different types of content already that might be beneficial to me and then when i go in and i really don't know how to do the next step maybe I want to have some sort of interaction some sort of maybe it could be a chatbot right that I could ask something like okay where do I add this specific type of goal and then the chatbot would answer me and then I could maybe even with a link on the screen showing me where to click right so this sort of interaction but also being flexible because we have different types of users some like to read some like to watch a video some like their help on the screen some uh, want to interact with somebody
1: all right. Thanks for sharing. So I think that's interesting. So the looking at the point of view of a user, but and uh, I, I of course know this, <laughs> the approach uh, since many years. Uh, and uh, so, so I think another perspective is also let's say the IT expert or in the IT department or as a consultant or as a in a customer competence center. And I know that there are. Of course also of course they also use the solutions mm-hmm. as an end user, but there are also other use cases or perhaps you can look at some of those use cases where we can, yeah, actually make knowledge worker work more productive, more efficient via such tools.
2: Yes, and I think that's uh that's touching on one very important piece personalization mm. right um looking at okay, which type of user is coming in, what is their role, what is their aim, what do they want to do? what type of content would be interesting for this user group or even this specific person right so personalization is a big topic for us this year, definitely and and we need to be more specific in targeting the help to the right the the right help for the right people. Right. Depending on what they, what they would want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe also varying degrees of expertise, right? Um, mm. maybe an admin doesn't want to have, uh, I don't know, 10 guided tours telling them how to go through the process. They don't need it. They do that every day, but uh, a new user would need different help. So also when we think about, you know, new information, the onboarding information that's coming in, that should be targeted at specific people as well. Yeah. It's a very important topic.
1: Can you share some of the use cases? So I think some of them are perhaps even not fully known, Yeah, like documentation test cases and so on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, you can do a lot with, uh, cover a lot of these use cases with enable now. You can create, as you said, documentations in different formats, right, with screenshots, without screenshots, out of one single recording from that you did with enable now you can also create test cases out of that to support the testing in the early phases of the implementation the idea behind our single source approach is that one recording can cover many different needs and then it becomes a sustainable content management system because then you really have only one source of truth which is used in different distribution channels and one channel could be the in-app help that covers the performance support you could link to a document there. You could link to a video there. All coming out of the same source recording.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, uh, you know, of course, look look at uh, this whole area since some years. Uh, do you have some examples of customers, let's say, of use cases which are bringing them special value or which are often used? Or.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure so one topic that customers really like and, and still really like is our library mm-hmm. so we have uh, customers that um have built very large libraries um with their content targeted to specific user personas and by language as well so covering their global needs and have customized this library to look of course like their colors and, and, their, and their themes and everything. So that, that's one main use case that is still in use a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what has really, I think, made customers successful in, with, with the usage of Enable Now as a performance support tool is that they have built up a center of excellence, Right. So that they have really defined a team who is responsible inside of the customer's organization to manage everything that has to do with creating enablement content. This is sometimes a learning organization. If a customer has it, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's extra. Sometimes the center of excellence is just two people and then they, um, they sort of outsource it and do trainings. So this sort of concept has really worked out well. And uh, our most successful customers, also global, big global customers use this approach very successfully. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe one more thing that is always important is uh, the taking of responsibility in, Mm -hmm. in this case, responsibility for not only creating the content, but also for maintaining it later on. Right. Because when we look at later in the cycle, like we look at more in the five moments of need and in the more and the change needs, then, um, You can't just leave the content as is, right? Especially in our cloud environment, things change a lot every quarter sometimes. And this content that's in-app really needs to be up to date.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can imagine all that that such tools are often used, let's say, in a big project uh, when you, let's say, go on S4HANA or migrate or whatever. But then, uh, as you say, the project is ended, but the changes or the ongoing knowledge transfer, of course, this doesn't stop. And you need to, let's say, have some processes in place to follow up on that. And uh, I, I know, of course, let's say, in many solution areas, uh, there are always things that uh, there's a quite extensive breadth of functionality And not everything is used. Do you wish uh, that uh, that the customer base is using one or the other things more or where the adoption could be higher? But that's because it's not that well known. So perhaps we can share some tips here for anyone who's already using it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, maybe just one comment to the first part of what you said. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what workflow learning is about, right? Mm-hmm. In- embedding this learning and support content while doing the work. So not just during the implementation phase, but really also afterwards to sustain the knowledge and to keep people active and and enabled. Because workflows, uh, yeah, it, it goes on after the product is live, right? Uh, and um, towards your second point, yes, we we definitely. Want to increase adoption. That's one of the main goals, as I said in the beginning. And adoption means that customers get the most value out of their investment. So it is in, it's not only in, in our interest, in SAP's interest to position enable now at the beginning of a project, but also to have customers realize that, yes, this can be used to their advantage because it may be used. Um, for example, we have an internally, we have a used, uh, we are using Ariba networks and they, uh, used a push message that's uh, pushed out by sap companion or an application help tool and that just pops up on the screen and says look we have this feature here you might not know it but it's new Uh, why don't you use it and it's on a specific screen where this feature makes sense and they actually tracked uh, the usage of the feature after they had implemented this push message and uh, it went up 80 times than it was before Mm -hmm. so this is a really nice internal success story that we have and uh Yes, I mean, also our uh, internal HR departments, they use a lot of these um, push notifications, what we call what's new notifications, to inform our whole workforce about changes in the HR processes and systems.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that it's not only pull, so that people can look at the doku, at the guided tour, but also that it's pushed uh, to them when it's relevant. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the important uh, point, this relevancy Mm -hmm. and context. and. It, of course, you saw many projects and uh, customers, so perhaps you can share some good practices, what you think people should uh, look at if they go on, on that journey and uh, leverage such a, let's say, performance support uh, a platform on toolset.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe one addition to that, when it comes to good practices, from my experience, we have uh, very often the case that um, so-called key users, so people who are more or less experts in a certain process or in a certain area, and they are responsible for um, a group of end users, business users to support them as well. And maybe with good practices, if you have some, you could maybe also give one or the other tip for this type of users, Mm -hmm. how they can make best use of such a tool in general.
2: Okay, sure. So, Maybe to answer the first question first about generic uh, approaches to to a project like, uh, like this or an implementation project. I think the customers are beyond the question if enablement is needed. I think they and we all agree that some sort of enablement is always needed when you implement a new software. But um, what's important is to plan this enablement and also to take a holistic view on it. I think that maybe sometimes customers are too focused on their own implementation, and they think, "Okay, now I have this S for Hana implementation, and and I need enablement for that." And if they plan it in, it's all good. But maybe it's also good to take a step back and have a look at at the whole organization, at the whole company, and think more about, "Okay, maybe I want to change my approach. Maybe scheduling in five days of on-site training for everybody that's using S for Hana is." is not the best way to bring this knowledge across but maybe i can think more in smaller pieces right more pieces that are more targeted information that is more precise yeah more aligned with what people actually need to know in their moment of work in their workflow so i think taking a, a um maybe a new and fresh approach is, yeah is very important but you've you've covered this uh, in your last sessions as well right uh, looking at the whole picture. And I think with Enable Now, that that's very much possible because it does support you in all these different steps and does provide a, a technical background for doing these different types of enablement actions that you might want to do. And um, for the key user part, I think all of us know when, when we're experts for some topic, people come and ask, right? That's what humans do. They try to reach out to others. And I think Enable Now can be used in that sense to sort of take over some of the some of the enablement tasks that key users usually have, right? Answering emails, answering phone calls, answering questions that come from colleagues. So why not put their knowledge in a in a more consumable format? Why not feed a chatbot with it, right? And then activate that chatbot or put it in a, into an FAQ that you put in a, as a PDF on the relevant page. Or maybe um, what other customers have also done is to have a, uh, to support the support, um, to put the first or the top 10 questions that support gets asked contextualized on the screen with answers, of course, so that users check these first and then open support tickets only if, if their question is not answered. Right? so there, there are many ways to get information that's stored in humans onto the screen and uh, provide it as best as possible directly at the point of need.
1: I also like this abbreviation of the hey joe phenomenon so which uh, means many people ask joe so like their (laughs) next person they know Mm -hmm. and uh, then of course this is this person needs to research or needs to invest time and if there's a library if there's some guided content then at least either people find it themselves or joe or let's say the colleague can forward this. And like I said, I think this saving a lot of time and energy, which is, I think, one of the big business cases, I guess, to increase the productivity. Yeah. Have you, do you have any other, any concrete numbers perhaps of some customers? Let's say, I, I think that's always interesting, especially for learning and development experts who listen here to the podcast. And so let's say to also to be convinced, let's say that performance support really yeah makes sense to invest into that because i think the concept is there since 20 years or whatever uh, but uh, the adoption is not that skyrocketing it's it's slowly. yeah do you have some numbers or so in place
2: yeah i think maybe the i mean adoption is always it's a bit hard i guess for us right to change running systems and uh, change things that are working in some way or another but um, yes we do have uh, some studies that cover the impact of training for example and here we have actually some some very impressive numbers of how much training can uh, influence for example the performance and uh, we can see that leaders who have um, done a lot of training actually have a a 23% of improvement in their performance after they implement the solutions. So that's already good, um, but we also have very specific solution specific improvements. Right. So we can see that, for example, for success factors, we have an eight times improvement of the key performance measures when end users were provided sufficient training. We have 14 times improvement for S4HANA. So just providing information to end users which is something that should be the default um but <laughs> it
1: should be common <laughs> apparently sense, <isn't>. right yeah.
2: <laughs> um, apparently actually um It's not, it's not the default. And, um, maybe taking that first step, even that is already giving very, very good results, right? And the more hours you spend training, the better your, your KPIs later on. Of course, there's a maximum, but yeah, also the deployment time, for example, decreases when you train your users before. And that's, that's a mind change as well, right? Not implementing and then training everybody, but maybe spending some time during or even before the implementation to, talk to your key users and and train them in the new software that's being rolled out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So there are several also the satisfaction for example not only looking at the business KPIs and and really okay how fast is somebody when they do the process or how um, how much more output do i get when somebody works with the new system. That, that is realized value. Yes. But also, I think we have the, the satisfaction. And, uh, when, when people have more training, users, administrators and implementation teams, then they are 72% more satisfied with their SAP software. And, um, I think that's, I mean, that's major because satisfied people also work more efficiently, right? And they spread the word and maybe they are in general more more positive about their work. And that's also a, a good effect that may not be as measurable as you know how many sales orders somebody does in an hour, but is still, I think, very valuable for the whole organization. Hmm. Yeah,
1: employer engagement, I think, is always important. I could imagine just in the current times where companies look again more on productivity and perhaps even cost-saving, I think especially the first KPIs, what you mentioned, I think they will be much more interesting. So perhaps you can share in the show notes uh, some of the studies uh, you mentioned. So interested listeners can look into some more details. Mm -hmm. So I I would like to look also a little bit in the future. I, I know there are some interesting things coming on the functional side, on the technical side. Uh, so perhaps you can, as far as it's uh, possible, you can share that, or also the most recent uh, stuff which you saw, uh, which was, yeah, interesting. Perhaps. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, of course. So some things I already hinted at. At least for for us, this is for the Enable Now team. This is going to be a an interesting year. We do have an official roadmap that I can also share on the notes later, mm-hmm. but uh, one topic that we will spend a lot of, already spending a lot of our resources on is actually the, the SAP companion itself. So this is the module that provides the in-application help, probably the most visible module um, of SAP Enable now, and here we're going to see a, a big change in how it looks, but not just an UX and UI change, but also a way that yeah, we, that we, that we think about this, right? So for most end users, they know SAP Companion. It's a little question mark on the top of the screen and they click it. And then there's different types of help provided in a sidebar that pops up. And, um, the future will look more like a, a collection of different sources. So a source could be the help portal, for example, a source could be a knowledge base article and, uh, and, and there will be other sources. And this new companion will be a, Let's say a collection of different, very very targeted uh, pieces of information that fit exactly to what you are looking at uh, on the screen. So that it fit to where you are. For example, if you're looking at the goals section and, and success factors, it will give you all the information it draws from other sources about this goals process. Right, and this, yeah, this drawing in of other sources is something that we we, we will expand on as well in the coming uh, years or months and releases, but. um I think it's, it's a major mind shift as well, right? Not just provide uh, content that was created with enable now, which is great, but there might be other content sources that are also relevant for different types of users because there are so many different applications. I, I have another study here that, uh,
0: mm-hmm. it says
2: that employees switch between 35 job critical applications in their day. Okay. So, and I don't think that any. Customer learning organization can provide content themselves for 35 different applications, right? So we need to draw in as much information as we can from all over the place as, as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what's also maybe another interesting piece is, uh, only 16% of, of organizations that were asked see their digital transformation succeeding. Right? So it's really, it's a tough one. And they quote a major reason for that is a is poor digital adoption. It's really important that customers not only focus on getting the right software with the right configuration out there, but that they keep their users engaged and keep them enabled and, and make them aware this is changing, this is how you deal with it, don't worry about it, this is, we will provide you. And to be there, right? This is what the companion wants to be. It, it wants to be there. So even more than just technical new features i think mm-hmm. um we want to change uh, or, or even enhance the companion to be more more flexible it's going to be floating there's going to be different widgets on it so yeah to to just um be there more mm-hmm. and to also be more flexible means for us um, to be also more globally flexible uh, we already have a really great machine translation and we will enhance that machine translation currently it's possible to with one click on the screen, translate content, learning uh, context help content that's on the screen into another language using SAP translation hub. And I think this opportunity for our customers to have a very quick and easy way to provide content in a lot of different languages is something that that's missing in other areas, right? Uh, of course, it doesn't replace the translation process and there's, um, there's, there needs to be a disclaimer. This is machine translated and not human translated. But there are many different use cases, like little organizations, maybe with five or 10 people in, in some areas of the world that yeah don't get um, as much coverage from a language perspective, where now they have to work with what's available. But in the future, they can just click on a button and have the content in their own language, hmm. which will, I think, greatly increase the acceptance as well.
1: And is this relevant for the end users, just to double check, or also for the people who create the content, or probably for both or?
2: Um, both, yes, but I think even more for the end users, right? For really people who consume the performance support, um, okay, their content great. that they want to consume, they can translate it on the fly. And that's really something that uh, that I'm really looking forward to, Yeah, to see the improvements uh, that we have already in this area.
0: Yeah, maybe one follow-up question uh, after having this outlook into the future and what's possible. Mm -hmm. Christina, as you are an expert now in this area, uh, obviously, what would you say? Would it be a realistic vision or idea that I, as a customer of software and using this software in my company, would be able to tell For example, new hired employees easily just sit in front of your computer and everything will be fine so that um, you don't need upfront training or information or whatever. You can just sit in front of your desktop and then you start working and the onboarding works smoothly and whatever kind of task you, you have to do or you want to do is supported in such a way that you don't need any upfront enablement. It's that it all goes in the flow of work, do you think that's that's possible, or is it not realistic?
2: Um, I think technically it would be possible. Yes, I think it would actually work uh, to get all the information in there. Maybe with some very specialized processes, not so much. But uh, for the generic user that sits in front, technically it might work. But I would, from a personal opinion, always. Try to not forget the human component in this, right? So there's, there's somebody that's sitting in front of the screen. It's not a machine. Hmm. There's someone that may need just emotional support as well, right? Or a hand on your shoulder or a laugh somewhere. So it's, I think this is really important to keep in mind that onboarding is also a welcome into a team and not just. This is where you click when you need something, right? So mm-hmm. yes, technically, I think we're on a good way here, but it should still be a mix. I think we, we should still have a good, good mix of emotional, human support and technical support. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's really important to, to mention this, that it's all about humans finally and not machines on both sides of the screen. That's uh, very good. So thank you for that. Yeah, Thomas, any further questions from your side?
1: Yeah, 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 sure. Um, I now often heard uh, also the topic uh, cloud ALM. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I could imagine what this is. Is it the cloud solution manager? So that's in my simple brain. Uh, I translate it (laughs) like that. Uh, I, I know that uh, and that's a technical topic, but very relevant in the SAP ecosystem, especially now if you move to the cloud. So, what's the story there? Is so let's say how can you use such a knowledge platform, an adoption platform, in, in, in that subject? Yes. Because I heard it very often that customers are very interested in that to use this and to use this, uh, let's say, productive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for bringing it up. It's, it's also on, on, on part of our roadmap actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cloud ALM, so it's a cloud application lifecycle management. I, I think you need to uh, maybe ask the, the people there what, how they would actually explain it. I can only say it in my own words, but, um, it's, it's basically a hub of, um, business processes Linked to the actual applications that where you do the business business processes, right? Uh, And and this combination to have uh, this information all in one place for one company to see. Okay, we're using five different SAP solutions and they cover these processes. To see that all in one place and being able to manage that um, is is extremely valuable. And also, uh, this is where we connect. And and the goal in the end is to be able to support cloud ALM by providing on the last node of these processes, the last node will be the step. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have, we have larger uh, high-level processes and we go down the tree and, and the last branch is going to be creating a sales order to take a very simple example and to provide uh, maybe a training simulation, a recording, or maybe just a PDF or a video for this step and then push all of this learning content back into Cloud ALM to be able to view, this is the application I use, this is the process I use, and here's a training link. Okay. And this is the connection that we have with Enable Now in our minds for, for the future. Yes. So very important for us as well. We already have a good integration with uh, the SAP Solution Manager, which is very widely used across our customer base, which does almost the same thing, right? You can download a structure into Enable Now, fill it with life and upload the links back into Solution Manager. Mm. A little bit similar to what Subsignavio also does in a different way with with more business process focused not so much the the technical focus but uh, also with signavio uh, we have a standing integration to to push this information back right it gives a structure to the to the whole learning organization to the whole learning um, needs that are possible or that uh, that are there for the customer
1: mm. and probably a lot of of the content is already there yeah because i think that, that it's not known by all customers but uh, As part of the, let's say, user assistant or or help, Mm -hmm. a lot of learning content is developed in standard uh, by SAP.
2: Yes, yes. Um, Indeed, we have many hundreds of tutorials that are already available for a lot of different solutions. Uh, First and foremost, as for HANA, yes, but also for others. That's also something we can put into the the notes, the link to uh, the availability uh, help. Uh, sheet. And um, yeah, linking those already available tutorials to the processes that are needed and then saying, well, you only need to create maybe, uh, I don't know, 50 or 60% instead of 100% of what you will need in in a sense. Yeah, it's very important as well.
1: Again, uh, I I guess a big productivity boost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Uh, So Christina, one further question while we are just discussing trends. So one big buzz Currently is this whole AI topic, especially generative AI. So which really increased after, let's say, the release of uh, chat from open AI and now many people are thinking how can we leverage uh, let's say those tools there are also many others so perhaps you can share your thoughts uh, and i know it's very premature perhaps because now everyone is just thinking and perhaps developing so how could this impact let's say also the way how end users learn uh, how how this could be impacted is available now mm-hmm.
2: Yes, as you say, we are in the early stages, but it's definitely something that we are looking at. For example, one use case that we have on our uh, table right now is um, is the search. So, um, using different AI components to to better target the search. Um, so, not just have one you know one keyword and then go through everything and get everything back where the keyword is mentioned but use other components like okay who is asking um, in which context are they asking and what have they asked before so to use just much more data and and that let's say that ai is just you know it's it's really just a making very good use of, of a huge amount of data. Mm. So um, if we have this data already for this user who is asking this in a system where other users have asked before and have maybe said, yes, I am happy with the answer or not, then we have a large data pool that we could utilize to better our search results. And this can be used inside of an, an in-app help in performance support like SAP Companion, for example. Um, so that's one of the use cases that, that I can imagine. And in this context, also, we have a lot of great partners who are doing amazing work and who have already started to utilize this. And we will be doing our best to work together with these partners that uh, that SAP already has to um, maybe incorporate some of the things that they're working on and they're doing into our solution.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just as a, let's say as a example, I know from the success factors areas, they have hundreds of partners mm-hmm. uh, where you can... Let's say leverage apps from the substore so I think this probably would be the fastest and also pretty interesting way for the ecosystem and also some use cases are already available I think machine translation is definitely also going into that direction because you could generate and just content just in another language
2: yes yeah. um I mean our colleagues from the SAP translation Hub team they are definitely also interested in the capabilities that now emerge from from the um from not just chat GPT but other ai components as well mm. so yes everywhere where large amounts of data are involved and we can do smart things with that this is where we will see a lot of new stuff coming for the whole learning ecosystem in the coming years i think
1: okay yeah so we keep you posted dear listeners <laughs> let's say uh, on the developments thanks for sharing christina yeah, so, so I think this was the latest question I prepared. So anything what uh, we we forgot to ask or what you want to share, perhaps about the future or about tips for customers, I think that's both always uh, interesting and relevant.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe just, you know, check. Maybe you have an EnableNow license uh, already uh, and you don't know it mm-hmm. <laughs> because some project implemented it and you can actually use that same license across the whole the software scope so one license per user uh, no matter which application you use it for uh, that's something that most customers don't don't know or don't realize and that makes it very very cost efficient right and think about training before the implementation that's really mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's very important to um to not just see enablement as a checkbox that needs to be done but really maybe um work with your learning organization to to have a plan to have a more holistic view also on the maybe a center of excellence maybe maybe just a maintenance person um, but have someone take responsibility for this Mm.
1: and perhaps for those of you who don't know enable now uh, already so perhaps we can link also one two three content cell. we for example have a Let's say we call it interactive demo. So that's a little bit like a light trial. Mm-hmm. You can try out different processes uh, and also how it feels. Uh, we have the knowledge center. I think that's a super great, uh, let's say help platform on enable now with also many, many templates. I think again, increases productivity, a lot of training, online training for also for key users. So probably uh, we also can. You know, put that in, and there are also let's say the link to the existing libraries. Or so I think that's also not often people need to search for that. Let's say where is the uh, mm-hmm. embedded help. Let's say if you don't want access through the solution, but more as a more library point of
2: view. Yes, it's, and uh, um, you know maybe also we can share with our customers the SAP community which uh, we have a community mm, page for yeah. enable now where all these links are collected and also there are lots of smaller how to videos um, and this is a great opportunity also to ask questions mm. of of other customers and of our experts that are answering the questions there uh, plus the webinar links we have regular webinars to different topics onboardings and, and so on so there's lots of resources um, as in the community
0: yeah Great. So, yeah, I think we we are done with our questions. Now we have some uh, additional questions, some more personal questions. We, we call it the home story. <laughs> However, it's not a real home story. It's about uh, you and and learning, Christina. So let's maybe start with the question whether you have a narrative or, or a belief in relation to learning?
2: I think I, if, I, if I have one, I don't know if that's really my, my belief but, um, or narrative, uh, but I, when I think of a topic, I always think, well, someone must have researched this before. Someone, must have, someone is an expert in this field. Right. So that um, when I when I have a big, big topic ahead of me that I want to get into, I usually think there must be someone who has already written down the key points. So I try to find that person or the group or or the the book or something instead of, of trying to to gather everything myself. So I try to find an aggregated view on a topic mm-hmm. and, instead of uh, going into the details, because I know that that takes a lot of time. And I heard a saying once: "Repetition is the motor of learning," mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, that's true for me as well. If I hear something uh, a lot, then then it gets into my head.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so true. To to create new connections in the brain, repetition is is key. Finally, yeah, thank you. And um, do you have something on your personal learning list? So, um, is there something that you are going to learn or planning to learn this year
2: well i um, I have to say i'm uh, i'm looking into uh, environmentalist stuff a lot sustainability and and, and these types of topics um, mm-hmm. and as a Christmas present to myself, I bought um, the climate book by uh, greta Thunberg oh. and uh, that 's a very big book and uh, mm-hmm. so there 's a lot to learn from that um, full of articles made by scientists and and other people. I haven't finished it, of course. I started it, but it's, it's a long read. And this is something that I really want to get, gain more knowledge about, really more facts uh, so that I, mm-hmm. that I feel more informed and I can really, um, maybe also lead better conversations around this topic. Mm-hmm. And plus the circular economy is something that also interests me. Um, uh, there are some courses, for example, on OpenSAP about this and some, some really good uh, websites as well where, where I subscribe to newsletters, for example, and, um, that's, that's a topic I think that's also relevant for SAP from a business perspective. So that's also a topic I, I'm interested in.
0: Yeah, circular economy is uh, really something that um, I think has to come uh, mm-hmm. in uh, any way. And it's extremely challenging and interesting at the same time. And yeah, I'm, uh, I think uh, also this is a, a very interesting topic Maybe we, we can share afterwards, um, uh, sources there. <laughs> yeah. And a final, um, question is, um, how do you learn personally? So what is your favorite way or approach to, uh, to acquire new knowledge? You, you already mentioned this, um, looking for, for somebody who has aggregated the, the relevant uh, things in a certain area of expertise or knowledge? But yeah, what what learning formats or what content formats do you like or use for for learning?
2: Um, I um, so I'm I'm subscribed, for example, to a, to the Get Abstract website or, or subscription where you get abstracts of different um, nonfiction books. Right. And, uh, I like that a lot because it's again, it's the aggregated form. You can, it's, it's about two pages you can read through. So I, I, when I read, I save information. Well, um, that's one piece, but, um, another piece is I, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks. And what I like about those is you can do it while you do other things mm-hmm. because, um, in, in my personal life, there are a lot of other things <laughs> that are relevant as well with two kids and, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so, so I, I can incorporate that, um, the best into my, normal work and and life right so that um yeah listening to audiobooks um uh, is is a way for me to to get to the content that i want to consume in a way that makes it uh, possible for me to also spend time with it
1: yeah what were the uh, let's say two three latest uh, audiobooks which really inspired you perhaps you could share i think that's always interesting
2: um yeah it's uh, so the, the non-fiction was uh, was one about mental load and in getting off uh, the mental load, I can put the title in in the notes uh, later. Mm-hmm. How to handle mental load in in your daily life, um, and how to work together with your your family on it. That was one that um, that inspired me. And um, another one was called. Uh, it's a bit polemic, but it was called the end of capitalism. Yeah. Um, and this one was actually in, in more in the direction of the circular economy. But um, interesting, uh, also to to rethink new ways.
1: Cool. Interesting. Thanks for sharing.
2: True. Sure.
0: Yeah. All right. I think then we have it for today. Thank you, Christina, for sharing all these insights and also the, your personal views uh, today with us and our listeners. And yeah, you dear listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode please share it wherever you can on twitter on linkedin wherever you like and of course we are always happy if you give us some stars on apple Podcasts or even better a a short review even if you didn't like what we do um, give us a review give us feedback that's really highly appreciated in general, you find us on podcast.opensap.info and of course on any podcast platform or podcast app such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google or TuneIn. And yeah, at this point, Christina, thanks again so much for being here today and uh, everyone uh, else for tuning in. So um, have a good time and take care until next time. And Bye for now.
2: Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.